Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Diving Into The End Zone. First off, I want to apologize that I haven't really been making any episodes lately. NFL season's been kind of slow and everything going on with the coronavirus. I've been slow to get things going again, but with less than two weeks until the NFL season, I want to start making episodes again, and I couldn't be happier to be joined by a special guest, Alex Warner, a true friend, a huge Jets fan, and I'm excited to talk Jets football with him, along with updating everybody about the biggest NFL news happening right now. So, Alex, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good today. Uh, how are you, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm a little tired. You know, I, I feel like my sleep schedule is a little off, but that's always what happens during the summer. Yeah, I, I mean... Everything's off in this world nowadays. You know, nothing feels right. But, yeah, exactly. Know, I mean, but right. at least we have sports to, like, kind of save us. During when everything first happened, I thought, you know, I didn't realize... I mean, like, obviously... I want to do this as a career, so like I know sports is like huge in my life, but I really didn't realize how much I needed it until like I didn't have it at all, because I just found myself so many nights being like, what do I watch or what do I do? Eventually, it just got so boring. And like, you and I play Xbox a lot. Even we got sick and tired of that eventually because it was just like, there's nothing to do. Like usually, you know, we take a break. We watch the Islanders or baseball, whatever it is. We'll watch anything. Yeah, people ask me like, oh, so what do you watch on TV? I'm like, uh, sports. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, like, what show do you watch? I was like, uh, football, baseball, hockey. Yeah. Uh, the only, yeah, exactly. And the only shows that I would really watch, if anything, would usually be streaming. It would never be on cable. Cable is mainly, I only have, I only pay for cable for sports. That's simply what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's how it, got, how it is nowadays. Exactly. But, big money. We got to start. I want to start with the New York Jets because they obviously had a pretty big offseason this year. And, you know, I really want to get all your opinions on it. I know you're a beat reporter uh, for yourself. I know you do a lot of that, so <laughs> we'll go there. Yeah, Hopefully, I like to write in my spare time. Yeah, you know, and then maybe we got to give SMY a call. We'll see what happens. But mm-hmm. I want to start with probably the biggest news in the offseason for the Jets, and that's that they traded strong safety Jamal Adams to Seattle for Bradley McDougal and two first-round picks that are in 2021 and 2022. And then the Jets also sent a 2022 fourth-round pick and got a 2021 third in return. So obviously, we all know that Jamal may have had his issues. I shouldn't say may. He definitely had his issues. Was probably the franchise player for the Jets in his three years. What are your thoughts on this deal? No, yeah, he was. He was definitely the, he was definitely the star. Um, the team went as he went. You know, He was a leader on and off the field. For the first two years. This last year has been um, not the best display of his character. And it's obviously disappointing as a huge Jets fan to see that him kind of like turn like that. Where I want to be here, let's change the culture, we're going to... Whatever. Not happy he's gone, but I am. Because like, what he's been doing for the last year, that's not what you want in your star player. That's not what you want from any player. And it's just a relief to get him gone. And when you you know that you have two first-round picks coming in and a third-round pick, you're okay with that. Um, you look at the Jaguars, they, they dump off star players like it's nothing, and they don't have picks for show to it half the time. Yeah, no, I so, definitely agree. And Definitely nice to see a good return. Um, definitely didn't want to see him go, but he definitely needed to. Yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, when I saw this trade announced like you know me I'm one of the uh, I was one of the biggest Jamal Adams fans there was I mean I protected him falling all the way to six in the 2017 draft nobody thought that would happen and I I knew that the Jets would take him whatever I predicted that have proof of it either way um you know you look at this trade and the only reason why I was okay with it is because of the return I mean I was expecting I mean Jamal Adams is the caliber of player that you know two first round picks is not crazy and then they were also able to get back Bradley McDougal who is not Jamal Adams we know that he's 29 years old but he's still a starting strong safety in this league and has been good for the Seahawks I think Greg Williams is gonna you know obviously work well with him and then also able to swap a third for a fourth I mean I, I'm definitely not complaining that at all I think it was a great Douglas a great great haul for Joe Douglas and the Jets to get back. And then, you know, like you said, all the issues he had this past season, I mean, it clearly started at the trade deadline. There was reports that, you know, he was reaching out to Cowboys players saying, you know, tell upper management to, you know, offer a trade to the Jets, get me to Dallas. He lost the locker room. He was making, he was causing issues with the head coach. 
you know, Joe Douglas and uh, now and then also the owner. I mean, it was just a bad situation to begin with. And we're going to miss his talent on the field. He's definitely going to be missed on the defense. It's going to be hard to replace a guy like him because he made an impact all over the field. Whether you want to call him a true strong safety or not, his presence was always there. Yeah, definitely not a true strong safety. Uh, more of a linebacker, but yeah, the star power you can't you can't deny. But uh, when it comes with all that baggage, it's it comes to a point where it's not worth it. It hurts the team. Um, just creates a big show for everyone else in the league just looking at us like what's going on over there. Um, he clearly wanted to be out and clearly made it his goal through his actions, and he got what he wished for. Um, do I hope he gets hurt or anything like that? No. He's a great player. Do I hope he does well and wins? No, because I want the Seahawks to have a good pick. <laughs> so I do not want him to do well. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I feel that like if Jamal said, Adams doesn't uh, win a chip, I would be okay. Marcus May. Hopefully we can sign him. And we still got Ashton Davis. And I know Greg Williams is one of, if not the best, defensive coaches in the league. He will make do with what he has. And he will bring out the best attributes in all of his players. Yeah. And I think the safety trio that he's going to be able to work with is going to, I think it's going to work well. I mean, you already see, have seen this past season that Greg Williams is bringing a lot of a lot out of players that, you know, we didn't really expect to be anything in the league. I mean, you have Fatu Kasi, the defensive lineman, who I think was, what was it, a fourth or fifth round pick out of Penn State or UConn, either one. I I only know that because I remember, like, the jersey got drafted, and I know they are similar. I think it was Penn State. Either way, like, we all thought, like, hmm, okay, like, fine, whatever pick. It was a McCagnum pick, so who knows what that was going to turn out to be. But, you know, now you kind of see him developing and turning into something, and Honestly, he's one of the underrated players going into the season, and people are expecting him to have a pretty big year. But on the topic of Jamal Adams, real quick, I just want to bring up how, you know, he obviously went to, he played college football at LSU, and I feel like this is a big trend you see with LSU players. So I'm kind of wondering if it's like a way they like teach him to be. Like, you know, get your money early. Make sure, you know, no one walks over you. Because, again, it, it's happened with Odell, Jarvis Landry. I mean, I I feel like Jarvis Landry was more of an Adam Gase situation, but either way, still caused problems. You have uh, the Honey Badger um, causing issues. I mean, do you think it's something that is brought up in their, you know, training room or practice, whatever? Mm-mm. I mean, I don't think it's an LSU thing. You know, you they got, I mean, if you look at this year's draft, they had like, what, probably at least five or six, maybe more first round picks at least. Yeah. Um, you know, they got a great system over there. They got a great coach, obviously, won the national championship this year. Um, you know, maybe it's more of a characteristic that they bring out in each other. You know, they're always around each other, these LSU players. You know, you know the defensive players call themselves the DBU or whatever. And, you know, obviously the offensive players are a tight-knit group. Yeah. And, I mean, you also look at Fournette, who's already found his way out of Jacksonville as well. Because, you know, he just wasn't happy there, and he made it well-known. Yeah. So he's add another one to the list there. Yeah, and then speaking of Fournette, and obviously you brought up Yannick before, uh, later in the episode we will get to that after this Jets interview. But moving on to the next question, you know, looking at Joe Douglas's first run in the free agent market, he had a decent amount of pickups. Maybe some were a little more shocking than others, but what were your takeaways from what players he was able to bring in? Um, you know, definitely wasn't as aggressive as I'd liked him to have been. Um, he definitely failed in a couple of big areas, getting some much-needed wide receiver depth did not really address. Um, didn't really get any star power on the offensive line. Like I said, he wasn't really aggressive. He missed out on those big offensive linemen. But where he lacked with depth with the receivers, he signed like eight offensive linemen. So I can't blame him for that. You know, you got to hope at least three of those guys work out. And you have a much improved line from last year. That's the goal. You also got the rookie, uh, Mount Beckton, coming in. So hopefully that line can be much better with those free agent pickups. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, overall, I'd say he wasn't. He definitely wasn't as aggressive as I'd uh, liked him to be. Uh, I would like to see more next year. Um, it was obviously a very different time for free agency in general. This being his first, probably not the best experience for him. So hopefully we can see more out of him next year. And I think if you look at his first free agent run, you have to look at 
that clearly offensive line and upgrading that unit was the clear goal because, I mean, he brought in an abundance of players. You have Connor McGovern, who is uh, the starting center for Denver. You have George Fant, who was the starting left tackle in Seattle, but he's uh, expected to be playing right tackle with the Jets. You have Greg Van Roten, starting right guard for the Panthers, who it looks like won the job because they cut Brian Winters uh, a couple weeks back, and now he's with the Buffalo Bills. So, like you said, they did miss out on you know the big, bigger free agents like uh, Jack Conklin. And then, obviously, Joe Thune, left guard for the Patriots, never hit the market because he was, surprisingly, franchise-tagged. But I look at this offseason, and I'm not going to say it's a failure. I think he did a lot of good things. But like you said, again, I agree. I feel like he could have been a little more aggressive. I thought... Letting Robbie Anderson go with such a weak wide receiver room was a little bit of an issue. Only because I understand that Robbie Anderson is nothing more, we all know, than a number two wide receiver. And Jeff Bands give him, you know, the better of the doubt because we just, you know, have, have loved him since day one. He was undrafted coming out of Temple. He made the team, took, you know, his speed was what was killer. His speed kills. And I, I think just looking at the deal that he got in Carolina, I thought that, it really wasn't that much, and I feel like Joe Douglas could have offered that to him. And again, he rebounded with signing Brashad Perriman, who had a nice breakout the second half of the season with Tampa Bay. But, you know, we don't know if we're going to get that Brashad Perriman. We can easily just get the Brashad Perriman of Baltimore, the bust first-round pick. Yeah, who is hurt all the time, and he's already had knee issues so far. He hasn't practiced in a couple of weeks, and he's not practicing today. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know when this podcast will be up, but we're speed on September 2nd. Haven't practiced for a couple weeks now. You yeah. know, the season is starting in a week and a half. So not the not the best look for him. Um, the receivers, I can't tell you one way from the other who these guys are or where they've been in their career. You know, it's, it's like a guessing game. Yeah, except yeah, for the more that, noticeable that ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And he definitely also, like I said, he wasn't aggressive in that wide receiver market. And I don't know if we'll touch on this later, but didn't have the best strategy with the receivers in the draft either. I think he did, you know, failed a little bit in that aspect as well. Yeah, we're definitely going to touch up on that right after this. But I also just want to look at the defensive side of the ball. And I think one of the, like, the under-the-radar accusations for Joe Douglas and the Jets was Pierre Desir. Uh He didn't have the best... 2019 season with the Colts but I mean if you look at his 2018 season where he kind of broke out I mean he locked down guys like DeAndre Hopkins and that was twice a year and he did it I mean I, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Darrell Revis but I I do like the potential from Pierre to see what he showed with the Colts and fitting in with this Greg Williams defense no yeah definitely nobody nobody's ever going to be the next Darrell Revis but uh yeah of course but he definitely he definitely looked good that year he didn't look hasn't looked good since but You'd like to think that a coach like Greg Williams can definitely bring out the best in that player, um, putting him where he excels. And as long as he stays healthy, hopefully we can see a good version of him, you know, back to the 2017 version he was. Maybe even better, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, we're hoping there. Joe Douglas had his first run in the free agent market, and then he also completed his first draft as a general manager of the New York Jets this past April. Obviously a unique one, especially to start as your first. You know, you had the virtual draft. I'm sure meetings were very hard to do with Zoom and everything, which, again, I mean, thankfully for Zoom that it came out at, like, the perfect time because it obviously helped out a lot of people, but it still is not a one-on-one conversation, so it's different. How do you think Joe Douglas did overall, and what players do you believe are steals, if there are any? Overall, um, I don't think he had the best first draft. Obviously, you'd like to wait and see, um, you know. Beckton, we needed a tackle. That was a solid pick. You know, whichever there was four top guys would have been all right with whoever he'd taken. You know, that's obvious need. Great pick. You know, you got to hope he works out. Um, had to address the receiver in the second round. Getting Mims is a good pick. Um, hopefully, you know, he could use that height and speed combination as we've seen throughout the years. You know, guys like Calvin Johnson, you know, Martavis Bryant through a stretch, Julio, obviously. Those guys with height and speed, they, they're just a different breed. They're hard to keep up with. You know, they're hard to contest contested catches. They just got the whole package if they can keep it together and stay healthy. And 
Ashton Davis was a questionable pick at his time. You know, are you letting Marcus May go? But Jamal's gone. Now we got May and Davis and McDougal, so nice little trio in there. Hopefully that uh, Greg can work with. And then this is where, you know, in the third, second, third round pick, you get Zuniga. Obviously, we need a pass rusher. I don't know if the third round is where you're going to find that. You could hope. Like the Raiders with Max Crosby last year, they got a steal. So I'm hoping he's the steal if there is one. Mm-hmm. But after that, it starts to get a little questionable for me because then he takes a running back and a quarterback in the fourth round when we desperately need wide receivers, some offensive tackles, linemen, and some corner depth. And he decides to go with a running back when we have Le'Veon. Our running back room is fine, you know. Um, that was a big problem last year when, you know, the running back room was mishandled. And then he takes a, a quarterback that's a know-nothing developmental prospect when I get the quarterback was an issue last year for us, but that's not where you want to address that. You know, we signed Flacco. Um, do we really need a fourth-round pick on a quarterback when we're desperate for wide receivers in one of the best wide receiver drafts to date, Yeah, as many experts have claimed it? So, overall, I'd, I'd say he didn't do a great job. You know, he definitely could have done a lot better. Yeah, I, I think he missed on a lot of picks as well. Going back to the James Morgan pick, I mean, yeah, definitely. I thought it was definitely a weird one, especially where when you have, you know, the quarterback depth they had. Obviously, we have Darnold. You have Joe Flacco. And then you also have Mike White and David Fales, who I know are – Nothing in the NFL. They're you know they're pretty much either a st- third string quarterback on most teams, or a practice squad quarterback. So I understand that's not saying anything, but I mean the fact that again you could have used this pick on a wide receiver is what I thought was key. I mean you, you look at, you're looking at the wide receiver wide receiver room right now, and it's really thin. They're all dropping like flies, like you mentioned before. I mean, it's just like a new injury every day. Even if they're only out for like two to three days, it's not something you want to see because if that's going to be happening during the NFL season, that could be an issue. And you wonder if it's because of the trainers or just our wide receiver room is really weak. I don't know what it is. Um, going back to what you're talking about with LeMichael Pirine, the, the, he was also the fourth-round pick, the running back out of Florida that Joe Douglas took. I don't hate the pick only because I, I like the potential I, I've seen from him whether it was in his tape or just in camp right now. Um, and I look at it, and I feel like... I look at Le'Veon Bell with the Jets, and I think about it. I don't know if Le'Veon Bell is going to be a Jet for too much longer. I want him to be. He's in the best shape of his life right now. Like we have talked about in the past, you have said, so I'm going to give you a quote on this. He has a six-pack on top of his six-pack. If you look at him, it really does look like that. He is in unbelievable shape. But it doesn't seem like Adam Gase really wants to use him. So I'm going to kind of skip around in our question order we have here. Um, you know, it's been reported that the Jets, you know, have a wonderful, they have a wonderful squad of beat writers. And it's been reported that Gase and Bell have a good relationship now. That, you know, they worked out their issues from last season and everything is okay. But then, you know, there have been some questions that have been happening in, in training camp so far. And those involve false injury reports, because if you remember, Adam Gase said in the press conference that, um, you know, Le'Veon Bell was pulled from practice because of a hamstring injury or tightness, and then Le'Veon Bell goes on Twitter and says, oh, my hamstrings are fine, like, if, you know, if you, if you want me to be good during the season, I need to practice, something along those lines. And then, you know, Le'Veon Bell was getting some reps with the second team. I mean, what do you think is going on with the relationship between those two? Um, ultimate, ultimately, I'd like to think it's fine. Um, that's how you, in an ideal world, you know, that relationship is as it should be. Your star player on offense, you need him. Didn't have the best year. He cost 65 balls. Hopefully we can use it more in that way. Um, but you look back to the, you know, pulling him out of practice because of the injury or whatever and the second series. But, like, it just makes you think that, like, obviously they're not on the same page right now. But to me, from what it sounds like to Geese, you know, some of the things he says is, like, it's it's a different offseason. You don't have the time. You don't have the utilities like you used to. Obviously, you want to get all those guys in there as fresh as possible. Um, 
So I think he's just trying to mix up, you know, the rosters, getting every everybody reps. But I think he's also not doing the best job of communicating with Bell because obviously he doesn't see it that way. Yeah, um, definitely a possibility there. And just to go back to the draft, you know, if P Ryan, you know, he could be a stud. You know, if they plan on moving on from Bell, not not the best pick, but I mean a good pick, obviously. But I, I'd like to see them address the receiver there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look back to Miami. And you see his relationship with those players who all left and said all those things. And already Bell was questioning him in la- last year. Then it comes out they're fine. Then there's a little more issues already in training camp. Um, just makes you think. But, like, I thought he said some nice things where it's this offseason in terms of, like, you know, obviously the, the whole Jamal situation. It seems like he's kind of turned a corner. Kind of a little bit of an eye-opening experience. Maybe, hopefully, you know, as a fan wanting his team to do well. This is our head coach for this year, no matter what. Well, who knows what the future holds. You'd like to think he turned a corner and, you know, maybe emphasize those player relationships a little more than he has in the past. Yeah, and I think it's been, you know, he, he's had some good points this offseason where just during his press conferences that he looks a little more, one, he just looks a little more comfortable. I mean, right when they introduced Adam Gase as head coach, I mean, he already had a bad vibe with the fans because, you know, of his eyes going crazy and, you know, just that whole look. Obviously, that doesn't mean anything, you know, from him, but just the look of it, everyone got a little nervous there. But, you know, it looks like he took a little more accountability this offseason. He kind of addressed all the issues and honestly made all Jets fans kind of feel okay for once. You know, he, he usually really didn't ever do that when he talked. He kind of just pissed you off a little more than you already were. But for once, he kind of, like, reassured you and, like, said that he understood he, like, you know, all the problems that were going on or anything with the offense. He addressed everything, and that, to me, was a good step. I mean, he's a head coach in the NFL. He should be doing that already. It's not a learning step. It's not a learning stone. It shouldn't be that way for him. But just as a fan of this football team, I'm happy that he could at least do that. But Adam Gase is going into his second season with the Jets, and then... You know, like we've been talking about, it's safe to say that there are some mixed feelings on Gase as a head coach, whether it's from the players, coaching staff, or fans. We all, there's always been some type of, you know, issue with him. So, I I know you already said, you know, we we know Gase is going to be the head coach. There's nothing we could do about that. But are you comfortable with him going into the 2020 season? Alex? Yeah, uh, I definitely am. Sorry. No, I, it's okay. I was on mute and no, didn't realize it. it's okay. And um, I, I thought definitely comfortable. Uh, def, at the end of the year, um, I thought there was a possibility he could go because all the backlash he was getting from the fans. Uh, I was kind of in the air. Never a fan of like canning a coach after one year, especially the way they you know rebounded in the second half. Obviously, you'd like to see them get that good draft pick, but it was nice to see the team you know, rally around a coach. You always like to see that. Uh, uh, going back to the days when we had Rex, you know, he had horrible teams. Like, they did not do enough to support him. But you saw how much those players loved him and wanted to play for him and would still win games somehow. So you'd like, you'd like to see the second half of, you know, the players not quitting. You know, there was reports they lost, lost locker room, but those players played hard. And I, don't, I definitely don't think he did. Um, Jamal is a different situation. He had his own uh, motives to do what he wanted to do with himself. But they played hard down the stretch, and they won some ball games, and they showed some nice things. Um, I don't think, you know, they got enough help this offseason, but the team's definitely um, a little better. And hopefully he can continue on that success he had in the second half of the year. And if he makes a good run, I'm all for keeping him. You know, like I said, he he's definitely showed some things in the offseason where it seems like he's growing a little bit, turned a corner maybe as a coach. So hopefully he can build on that. But if not, like I said, I was on the fence at the end of the season. I'll be on the fence again this year. If he does good, I'm 100% fine with keeping him. But, if you know, there's a lot of problems like last year. Um, they don't do as well as they maybe could be. Then I think it's time to move on. Yeah. I definitely agree. I feel like, to me, which I feel like is putting a lot on Adam Gase, but I feel like it has to be playoffs or bust. And I, I only say that just because of all the issues that have happened, but I feel like that's not fair for him, only because you look at the roster and how it's you know constructed right now, and I feel like I look at this team, and in my opinion, I see 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. 
which you never know, could get a wild card spot. It has happened before. But the thing is to me is that this division for once, the AFC East, is wide open now that Tom Brady is out of New England. I understand there's still Bell Belichick and there's still Josh McDaniels. And yes, they did sign Cam Newton. So you never know what's going to happen from the Patriots. I mean, it's always a mystery there. But, you know, I, I look at it as the, the division is finally wide open where I really wish that they would kind of make more of a push, which is just not kind of on Adam Gase, but I'm also going to just kind of switch this as a follow-up question with Joe Douglas. Do you think, I mean, it's been reported. I don't think this is happening. I think it's all of a plan. But do you think Joe Douglas is punting the season? Uh, I, I definitely don't think so. Uh, the moves you could say that he's doing, obviously traded the best player. You know, that's a sign of punting the season. But, I mean, you look at the a team like the Jaguars. You would say they are punting the season. They traded several key players. To be fair, we didn't really have many, right? You know, so yeah. like Jamal getting traded stands out. But the moves in the offseason, you know, the way he's speaking. Um, going back to the draft, um, definitely addressed some key areas. Hopefully, you know, I, I don't think it was the best draft, but if he hits on all those picks, obviously it's a great draft. Um, you know, Darnold goes down for two games. That guy comes in, he wins those two games. It is what it is. You can't argue the picks, you know, if you get success out of them. You know, you can critique them all you want right now, but you can't really say for sure. And the Jamal, trading Jamal, I mean, you think about it like this. Uh, his draft strategy, I don't think, was the best. But he's got two first-round picks next year. And there's not going to be a college season. If there is, there's going to be a partial college season. So player development and scouting is going to be a little wacky this season because of everything that's going on in the world and in the landfill of sports. So maybe you see him like flip the one or one or both of those picks, you know, into a proven player, help us down the stretch. If we're doing well, you know, make a big push. Like you said, the division is wide open. You never know what you're going to get. The Bills look good, you know, but they still have a young quarterback, you know. Mm-hmm. So division's definitely wide open. Maybe we'll see him make some trades. He's made a couple decent trades already. And hopefully, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, you know, like the Jamal trade, he didn't, he, said, he still said he wanted to keep him, but that haul, that return we got, not something you could pass up. So maybe the right deal comes along. I guess Yannick wasn't it, you know, wasn't the, the highest value that, you know, Jacksonville got for him. Definitely could have made the push to get that trade done. But, you could potentially see him trading one, maybe even both of those picks for a proven high-caliber player that could help us make a run this season. Yeah, and I, I look at it, like you said, with Yannick. I, I thought when the trade details got released of um, the Yannick trade to Minnesota, I thought, why couldn't Joe Douglas do this? It was a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick. And then, you know, I just see it as pass-rushing has been such a need for this team for a while where I just I just don't understand why they couldn't do it. I, I guess to me, Joe Douglas is just really valuing his draft picks and he wants to build around that, which is something also Jeff fans aren't used to. We're not used to building throughout the draft because our draft history is not good. It's really, really bad, actually. And... I think it's just different for Jeff fans. It's a unique situation where, you know, maybe it's taking it slow, but for once it's different, maybe it's right. And like you said, you know, this upcoming draft is going to be one for the history books. I mean, scouting is going to be huge. I mean, it always is huge, but it's going to be important. It's going to be as important as it's ever been. And you look at it, I mean... Scouts need to be on top of their game. They really do because it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, you have like some clear-cut top five picks, but again, there are some players. I mean, you look at what Joe Burrow said when there was rumors that the college football season wasn't going to be happening. You know, if the college football season last year didn't happen, Joe Burrow could be looking for a job right now, not getting drafted number one to the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, it, it's crazy what one year can do for a player in the NFL draft. So it's really unfortunate for all those players that, you know, it could be missing out on an opportunity because of the coronavirus and what had, what's this, what, what has happened. Now, moving on from that, um, I want to talk about, you know, obviously some players that the New York Jets have, and really more specifically, just like who are players to look out for, in your opinion, on the 2020 Jets. 
Like anyone who's going in like underrated or not getting enough buzz. Um. So the way I see this question is like the key players for the Justice season. You know, maybe the breakout guys are the, you know important to our success. Yeah. And first guy that comes out to me is obviously we've been over the wide receiver group. Not great at all. Uh, Ryan Griffin and Chris Herndon, two big spots for me. Uh, if you can get those two guys going, Ryan Griffin had a great end of the year. Chris Herndon had a good rookie year, got hurt all last year. If those guys could be successful and be a huge part of the passing game, then that receiving core doesn't shine out so bright as what it really is because it is not anything special right now. Yeah. Even if Perriman's healthy, all those guys, a um, bunch of no names besides really Perriman and Crowder. They just signed Moncrief, but you don't know what you're getting in him. Yeah. So, you know, you'd like to think Crowder's going to be what he's going to be. Crowder's great. He obviously developed great chemistry with Arnold. So, yeah, you like to hope that uh, they could build on that and have a great year. But if Herndon and Griffin can perform like they have in the past, stay healthy and be a huge part of this passing game, the offense can make huge strides because that's going to open up the run game. You know, Bell is a big part of the passing game too. But if you can get two tight ends that are a part of the passing game, you can run two tight ends. Teams are not going to know whether you're running or passing because they're both receiving threats when they're on the field. And for the most part in football, when you see two tight ends on the field, you think that's a running formation. Yeah. Obviously, this game is a passing league, but most defensive coordinators, you know, see that and they're thinking run. Most linebackers too, as well. So even if they look in, looking at the backfield for a half second, and you know you got slants or in routes over the middle, it just creates a lane that wouldn't be there if you didn't have that threat. Mm-hmm. And looking at the defensive side of the ball, the big part is the safeties. Um, Jamal Adams, I would, I would say secondary, not so much the safeties, just the whole secondary as a whole. Um, you have a lot of talented guys. You don't have a lot of star power. But that's where Greg Williams excels as a defensive coordinator, getting the best out of his guys like we've talked about. Ashton Davis uh, looks good so far in camp, but you don't know what you're getting. Um, and Greg Williams is going to do the best to uh, hide his cornerback group. Pierre year obviously had the great year, as we talked about. But outside of that, not too much there as well. Plus, Austin had a good rookie year ups and downs he was hurt but if that secondary can perform well it'll give our defensive line specifically our pass rushers some time to get to the quarterback uh we get we lost mosley uh decided to opt out you know got to respect his decision to you know protect his family himself whatever and we get williamson back but he's not much of a pass rusher he's more of a run stuffer so if we can get those guys up front you know, Jordan Jenkins built on his year last year. You know, contract year, hopefully. He's looking to have a big year, gets, get paid. And if those guys can be successful in the secondary, then it'll give those times to get to the passer, and that's really the key for us on defense, to slow down the pass. Because we're not going to slow down the pass by playing lockdown man coverage because we just don't have the corners to do that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you brought up uh, Avery Williamson. Obviously, you know, he was one of the bigger acquisition, accu- well, acquisition, accusations of, uh, what was it, the 2017 for agent class for Mike McCagden? 2018, 2019. 2018, yeah. And they, they let DeMario go. Everyone was upset. But then they signed Avery Williamson. And Williamson right now, actually, he just got his uh, deal restructured. It's, I It saved the Jets like $3.5 million, But... What's crazy is that I saw is that they've been running Neville Hewitt and Blake Cashman as their starting middle linebackers, not even Avery Williamson, which I thought was kind of crazy because I thought, you know, Avery Williamson is a pretty good player, obviously missed last year because of a torn ACL that happened in the preseason because he was in the game for too long. But anyways, we won't talk about that. Yeah, so that kind of brings me to the point where it's like, you know, you're thinking he's coming off the injury. They don't want to, you know, put him full speed yet. And uh, also makes me think that, you know, as you mentioned that preseason game, Gase is having a little bit of a flashback. He's like, all right, I don't want to get this guy hurt again. You know, maybe give him half the reps that he normally has, put him with the second team. That's true. Um, I didn't look at it that way. You know, Gase could definitely be having flashbacks. But, yeah, Avery Williamson is definitely a big piece. Um, you know, whether he's starting, coming off the bench. 
you know, we had a lot of injuries at middle linebacker, so we have a lot of guys that can step in and play there. So even if, you know, coming off the bench, just the leader in the locker room is a great piece to have. Now that, you know, the distraction of Jamal is gone, he's a great locker room guy. I mean, if you're a Jets fan, you saw this guy all of last year. He, what happened with him in the preseason was very unfortunate. Should have been, should not have been in that game. But every every game day, even at the beginning of the year when they were absolutely brutal to watch, worse than the watch and paint dry, he was posting pictures on his social media, watching the game in the hospitals, rehabbing, wearing his full uniform and helmet out to dinner. Like this guy was <laughs> all about the team, and it's just it was nice to see. It was pretty cool, pretty funny actually. Yeah, it was nice to see, like you said, and it was you know it, it showed that he did really miss being out there with his defense. And everything going on there. But I just want to bring up, you know, I, I really think you hit the nail on the head when talking about the tight ends. I was really more so focused on Chris Herndon. This is a guy that, you know, hasn't really had a healthy season, but also, you know, hasn't played a full season because of, you know, there was some drug abuse issues, which wasn't much. It was just PEDs, but still, that's a nice four-game suspension in the NFL, which will do it for you. And then, you know, he never really got going that season as well. But I, I look at the connection. I think it might have been a DUI, actually, as well. Oh really? Oh well. Hopefully he has gotten I'm not that sure fixed. PEDs, but I don't remember. Okay, well, either way, DUI or PEDs, still not good. Um, you look at the connection at first during the rookie season. I mean, they had a pretty nice connection. Uh, the chemistry was there. I would love to see Chris Herndon take this next, you know, leap because if he does, then now you know, then I'm kind of, you know. Concerned with the future of Herndon and the New York Jets just because if he doesn't come through this season, I don't know what it's going to be looking like. But And then also, you talked about the safety room. I know you more specifically were talking about the secondary, but I feel like you know they obviously have to fill a hole for Jamal Adams leaving. Uh, I'm looking at Marcus May this year. I'm expecting him to be a, you know all over the field. You know It's been in practice. It's been reported that he's been doing a lot of like a Jamal Adams role. But to me, I think Marcus May you know is great in coverage. Uh, I'm expecting him to have a huge year, especially he's in a contract year. He wants to get a nice contract. And then Ashton Davis as well. Again, it's just a rookie. Like you said, he's showing some flashes in practice. We want to, we don't want to get our hopes up too high. But I really see a lot of explosiveness from him. And I'm excited to see what he can do. So that leads to our last question about the New York Jets. And then we'll finally get into breaking down the news around the NFL. But Sam Darnold is entering his third year in the NFL. Now, do you think he's going to take that leap that all Jets fans have been hoping for and waiting patiently for? But if he doesn't, what does his future look like on the Jets? See, my heart says yes. But I don't, even if he does, I don't think it's going to be the leap that everyone will see on paper and he might get a lot of criticism for it. Because everybody looks at the stats. Everybody's stats. You know, fantasy football is huge nowadays. I don't think you're going to see, you know, 5,000 yards, 35, 40 touchdowns out of him. Because no way. he just doesn't have the supporting cast for that. Yeah. So, we talked about the end of the year. What a leap might look like for him is very different from, you know, actually taking a leap and a fan's perspective of it. You know, he's shown great signs the first two years taking leaps each year but it, it, you look at the interception numbers and you say well this guy's playing awful you look at the turnovers the fumbles some of the bad decisions he makes but he's just pressing like he wants to win games and there's not a whole lot of separation in his receiver groups throughout his career and that's not going to change this year doesn't no. have any better supporting cast than he did the first two years I would say the only thing that's obviously different than his first two years is that he has a Massive upgrade on offensive line, and that's even saying much too, because like we mentioned before, yeah, like you just don't know what you're gonna get with this group. They've never played together. Exactly. No preseason games. Exactly. Um, But he has shown a great ability to escape the pass rush because you know he's had a lot of practice doing that so far. Um, to to extend plays and run around a little bit and make some magic happen. It's been crazy some of the plays he's done. Yeah. But definitely. you'd like to be—you'd like to see him be able to set his feet and make some good throws, and he's definitely capable of that. Losing Robbie Anderson hurts a lot. That was a deep threat. Yeah, and, and he had a nice chemistry you know, with him. Perriman or Mims can turn into that, but you just don't know what you have in them. Yeah, you know, 
No, talked I, about the receiving core not being the best, and it's not getting any better. No. I'm sure, uh, you know, you'll see uh, they'll have a nice signing report in the next week or two. They'll uh, bring back Demarius Thomas, which is still is not saying much either. We love Demarius Thomas. I know you're a big fan of him, but he's not the player that he once was, and we all know that. No, yeah, yeah. His overall is like a 77 now. He's dropped completely. <laughs> no more uh, Demarius uh, 3000 for you? No. No. Definitely not. Too old. You can't even upgrade him. <laughs> yeah, at that point. All right, so that's going to do it for, you know, our talk about the New York Jets. Obviously, you know, if it comes up throughout, you know, as we break down these news. I, I mean, it could because, again, we're going to be talking about Yannick. But either way, I want to get to pretty much anything that's happening around the NFL right now. And it kind of starts from the news that broke out of Cincinnati from yesterday. And the uh, Bengals extend, extended running back Joe Mixon. It was a four-year contract worth $48 million. And when you look at his 2019 stats, he played all 16 games, he had 1,137 rushing yards, but only three touchdowns. What do you think about this deal? I mean, you look at those stats right there, 1,300 yards, great number stats. The three touchdowns is very low. But you have to consider the offense he was in, the team he was on. Um, always trailing with that defense was horrendous. So they didn't have much time you know, to run the ball, and he still accumulated the yards that he did. He's a, he's a receive, receiving threat as well. You'd like, you know, to give your young guy a running back to rely on, drafting Burroughs this year, obviously. He's the guy you want. Um, hopefully he's put the, it seems like he's put those issues off the field that he had in college aside him. You know, the Bengals gave him a chance, and so far he's turned the corner, he's delivered. He's obviously a great running back. Um, Given him, him that extension, you'd like to hope he can produce and not be okay with the fact that he's got his money, maybe take a year off like a lot of players do, not just running backs. And so you look at the you look at Burroughs, you look at John Ross, T. Higgins, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. They got pieces to have a great offense. So definitely a good deal, I'd say, to make him happy and paid as opposed to disgruntled and just you know, potentially holding out like a Camaro or a Cook just wanting their money. Yeah. And I think when I look at Cincinnati, I think what, I mean, obviously I, I like the contract because I thought like it wasn't too expensive for yeah, it's like $12 million a year, which is about where the top tier running backs are. Yeah. And he I wasn't look looking for far. anything crazy. I didn't look too much into it, but most of these running back deals, you could opt out of them after a year or two. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of guaranteed money in them. Because running back is not have a long life shelf in the NFL. Yeah. You know, there's obviously the exceptions, the Adrian Petersons and, you know, Frank Gores. But then you have the guys like, you know, Matt Forte, who's amazing one year and just fall off a cliff. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right on that. And then also, I mean, I think I look at it, I mean, stats-wise, I mean, he obviously had it last season. Last season was his uh, second year in the NFL. Well, not second year, but it was his second year um, with a thousand or more rushing yards. So I mean, and he's played three years so far, and I believe his second year in the NFL. Oh no, his first year was where he didn't have the thousand yards, and that's because he was paired up with uh, Giovanni Bernard at the time. So I mean, they didn't really expect too much from him then, but then also. I feel like they just want to keep their pieces for Joe Burrow around. You know, Joe Burrow, obviously, he was the number one overall pick in the draft. You know, a lot of people are have really high hopes for him. But still, he is a rookie quarterback going into the season. You want to make sure that you are able to keep his offensive pieces around so that he can, you know, just thrive a little more. And hopefully, we'll be able to get something going there with Tyler Boyd. I mean, they still have A.J. Green, but I don't expect him to be in Cincinnati for too long. Or really just in the NFL, he is getting up in age. He definitely still has two or three more years left, but I don't know if it's going to be with Cincinnati. So they're going to definitely want to keep a trio of Burrow, um, Joe Mixon, and Tyler Boyd, definitely. But speaking of running backs, like you mentioned, Alvin Kamara has started this holdout for a new contract. As of this morning, and like you mentioned before, this is being recorded on September 2nd, um, supposedly there was rumors that New Orleans and Kamara are close on an extension because Kamara knows his place. He's not asking to be the highest paid running back in the league, but he wants, you know, around that area. And supposedly they are getting close to a deal. But 
It was also reported yesterday that the Saints said that they're willing to deal him at the right price. So, I want to ask you, what landing spots would you want to see Kamara? Like, where do you think he would go if he is dealt? A very interesting question. Because, um, you know, just about every every team nowadays has one or two guys that can run the ball. Um, most teams have a committee nowadays. So you, you can't just look around the league and say, them, they need a running back. You know, everybody's got their group or, you know, whatever. You know, like Kamara was a third-round pick, I think. You can find running backs everywhere. Um, but he's obviously a very talented guy. Runs the ball extremely well. Never been asked to be a workhorse. I don't think he's ever had, you know, average more than 15 carries a game in his couple of seasons. But the abilities he can bring in the passing game. You know, obviously the Saints like to throw the ball. They've got a surgeon at QB in Drew Brees. Um, and he can split out wide. He can, He's great in the screen game. Um, speak as a former fantasy owner, he can catch 10 balls a game. Um, he has that ability. And it's obviously not something you find in a lot of running backs. Um, definitely not a top-tier guy, you know, not top-dollar type of guy. But as much as I hate to say it, you know, he could definitely fit in with a team like uh, the Buccaneers with um, that Tom Brady guy. Definitely could use a running back like that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty uh, crazy. Coach like Bruce, Bruce Arians will find the best way to utilize, utilize his skill set. And also, I mean, you look at um, Alvin Kamara, and I don't know if you know this little fun fact about him, but you're talking about uh, his impact in the passing game. But through all three years that he's played in the NFL, he has had 81 receptions in all three years. The exact number, 81. All three yeah. years. I mean, that's that's, a lot. that's saying I mean, something. You, you think about it, we were just talking about the Jets before. I can't tell you the last time a receiver on the Jets had 81 receptions in the season. This guy's a running back doing it every year in his career so far. Yeah. Yeah, and last year, you know, he dealt with some injury, but, I mean, he also played, what was it? He played with something. Torn MCL. Yeah, which, all right, and, and, and that, I mean, strong. I mean, look at that. That that must have been very hard it's to ridiculous do. ridiculous pain tolerance. Yeah, but in 14 games, he had 797 rushing yards and five touchdowns. So, still pretty productive. I mean, obviously a fall-off for Kamara, but like we said, he was dealing with that injury. And then, again, did miss two games because of it. So, I mean... We'll see what happens there. I'm expecting Alvin Kamara to be, you know, he's, he's, I feel like he's going to get his contract extension. And then even if not, I mean, they still have Latavius Murray, who has shown flashes being a backup, you know, whether it was with Minnesota or now with the Saints. And then he had a, a solid year with the Raiders when he did start. So, I mean, it's not the worst thing. I'm sure Sean, pa- Sean Payton can, you know, still do a lot with him. But I want to talk about... Uh, you know, just keeping the running back news going. I mean, we kind of mentioned it already before when we were talking about the Jets, but former first-round pick Leonard Fournette was released by Jacksonville. Um, before I ask you about potential landing spots, since we were on the topic of the Saints, I've been saying that if they were to trade Kamara, I would love to see Leonard Fournette go to the Saints. It's a Louisiana reunion. I'm sure he would love to go back. And I also just think that he would fit in so well with the Saints team. And then again, you have another, you know dynamic duo in your backfield of Leonard Fournette and Latavius Murray. Yeah, definitely. Uh, kind of similar players right there, but uh, don't know how he'd complement. Um, he would complement Kamara very well, I would say. Um, maybe they, you know, you see them grab Fournette and move on from Murray. But um, Interesting. Yeah, they have very that too. similar skill sets. Um, Fournette, not really known as the pass-catching prowess. No. Um, definitely has the ability to, but look at him more as a ground-and-pound, uh, power-back type of guy, not really a third-down running back. He can definitely pick up the blitz in those situations, but um, to replace Kamara with Fournette, probably not the ideal scenario for the Saints, who are looking to air out the ball at all times, you know, with the Hall of Fame quarterback that they have. Yeah. Tampa Bay, I feel like, is always in the mix because it's just now that they have Tom Brady and Gronk, every yep. free agent that hits the market, every reporter's like, oh, Brady and the Bucks should go out and get him. But then you also, yep. I, I saw Pittsburgh, which I honestly kind of liked. 
pairing of spot. pairing him up with James Conner. I feel like that could really work. I feel like the type of player he is just fits in with Pittsburgh. I mean, whenever I feel like I think about the Pittsburgh Steelers, I just think like tough. I don't know why. I just do. Just I feel like that's kind of the mentality that they have over there, and I feel like Leonard Fournette would just fit in great there. Um, I also saw. I mean, you know, you have New England in the mix. Their running back room is. Kind of diverse. There is a lot of different people there, so it's like, why would they want to add another running back? But when you look at Fournette, he definitely, I feel like, is would be better than all the running backs they have there. James White, we know, is a good running back, but he's just really more of a pass catching back. That's what he that's what he does best. Rex Burkhead is nothing but a backup in this league, but the Patriots obviously make him work. So I don't really know. I, I think Leonard Fournette should definitely take his time. Try and get a job by the start of the season, which, again, is only like a week and a half away. But I don't see a really a, a rush to sign. See what you can get and make sure you're comfortable with the offer. Yeah, I don't see him uh, getting a job by the beginning of the season. Uh, definitely not acclimated enough to be a, uh, have an impact in you know the first week or two. Yeah. And then, uh, so speaking of Jacksonville... Uh, like we, again, we mentioned this before, but Yannick Ngakwe finally gets out of Jacksonville. He was traded to Minnesota for a 2021 second and a 2022 fifth and even took a $5 million pay cut to allow this trade to happen. So it, so it obviously shows that Yannick Ngakwe really wanted to get out of Jacksonville. And I mean, we all knew it, but him willing to take a pay cut says something. And before I get your opinion on it, I just want to mention how when you look at the Minnesota Vikings right now, you have Yannick at one end, Daniil Hunter as well. Linebackers to point out are Anthony Barr, the one-night jet. <laughs> and then you also have Eric Kendricks. And then in your secondary, I understand your cornerbacks are a little weaker now, but you still have Anthony Harris at free safety and then Harrison Smith. I mean, you look at the Vikings, and they immediately just jump to the top of the NFC North in terms of overall skill. I think they yeah, could that- take the division right now. The defensive star power they have is uh, scared. Obviously, they lost Diggs on offense, but uh, they got Jefferson in the first round. They still got Thielen. They still got Cook. Um, Kirk Cousins, he's, um, you can say what you want, but he's a big game player sometimes. You know, when he needs to, he steps up. He makes all the throws he needs to. Uh, he got a little flack for being a little conservative last year, but that's not what it was called for out of him. They had Dalvin Cook in the running game going great. They had, a great defense last year. Obviously, it gets that much better with Yannick. And so, yeah, definitely a force in the NFC, easily the favorite in the NFC North. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, before that trade, I mean, you could argue that they were, but I think this just seals the deal. I mean, what a trade for them to only give up a second and a fifth, and I'm really excited to see what I'm, you know, from Minnesota. And then, so I know you got to get out soon because you got to get to work. So we're going to, we just have a couple more topics that we'll kind of just hit on. We're not going to really, you know, we don't have to discuss them too much, but they did happen, so I just want to let everybody know. Uh, tackle Taylor Decker, Decker, excuse me, and the Lions agree on a six-year, $85 million contract extension, which to me, when I saw that news, I thought was kind of expensive. I mean, Taylor Decker is definitely a solid offensive lineman, and I guess uh, when you look at the offensive lineman market now, I feel like that's kind of the price if you've was played well enough. Six years. six years. Yeah. So, oh, I mean. Yeah. A little over, it's like $16 million a year, you know? Good for him, I'll tell you that. Talk about a team like the Jets, we haven't had a great offensive line since, you know. Derek Shaw Ferguson, Nick Mangle, when you have a piece like that at, at a tackle position. Yeah, you want to lock them up. definitely worthwhile to pay up. Yeah. Especially, you always want to protect the blind side, no matter what. Whether it's going to be Matt Stafford in the future still, or if there's going to be a new quarterback coming soon. Yeah, and you look at Stafford, he's had injuries, you know, his whole career. Yeah, you want to make sure to protect him, definitely. He had the back injuries last year, so it's good to... Get the protection. And speaking of injuries, we actually have a couple big ones. The you know the biggest one is Derwin James is out for the season after a knee injury he suffered in practice. Now you look at Derwin James and you think this guy can't catch a break. I mean, injured for a majority of all last season, he only played five games. Um, now he's out for the season. You know, you wonder what his durability is going to be, or if injuries are going to be a really big problem throughout his career. I mean, he's still young, so. I don't think this affects him too much, but you look at it, if I'm a Los Angeles Chargers fan, I'm kind of worried just for the just health-wise and how long he could play in this league. Yeah, no, definitely not a great sign. Um, 
you know, the old, the age old adage is, you know, the best trade is availability and he hasn't been. So this would be now two out of three years he's missed. So he's missed about 65% of his games. Um, Obviously, he was a great player his rookie year. Um, Definitely. No but he's not, about on the that. Field. he's not on the field. You know, he's a Jamal Adams-type player and the impact that he makes for his team. But if you're not there, you can't do that. Um, you'd like to see him turn around. You'd like to say he's getting a bad break. But, you know, year after year, if he keeps getting injured, it becomes a problem. Yeah, no, I definitely agree, and that's going to be something to look at in the future for the Chargers, most definitely. But I want to get to another injury as well, and that's Tyrell Williams, wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders, is out for the season after suffering a torn labrum. And not that the Henry Ruggs pick didn't already look smart, but now it looks even better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they got a lot of speed on that offense. Tyrell Williams was like a big possession type of guy. You look at a... Waller, great speed from the tight end position. You look at Ruggs, he got Renfro in the slot. They got a lot of depth there. Um, they had Zay Jones last year. He's back this year. Um, so they have depth. I think they'll be all right. Obviously a big piece to lose, but Derek Carr's got some weapons to play with for sure. Yeah. One- Still got Josh Jacobs back there in the backfield. You know, heart and soul of that Raiders team is ground and pound and play defense. You know, that's John Gruden way. Yeah, and they still have, you know, a, a solid unit on the offensive line. I mean, it's definitely not one of the better ones in the NFL, but it's still enough to hold up for Derek Carr. And, yeah, like you said, I mean, I don't really – Tyrell Williams' impact on the field, you know, was definitely noticeable whether it was with the Raiders or the Chargers. But to me, I feel like this is a type of, like, injury that really won't affect the team too much. I feel like they're, they're still going to be okay. I'm really excited to see Henry Ruggs work with, you know, John Gruden – and just this whole Raiders offense as a whole, it, it's going to be interesting to see, and especially because just how fast he is. You, you know, you can't teach that. Right, and uh, Tyrell, Tyrell Williams never been the guy. You know that you know teams prepare for teams look at. He's never been the yeah, guy. Yeah, exactly. Offense. But he's the type of guy you know where everybody's looking at rugs, and that speed is obviously something you can't ignore. He could have excelled in a lesser role, not being looked at all the time. Obviously, he's not there, but. They got great depth. I think they'll be all right. Yeah, and Tyrell Williams was like that type of player that was always in the highlight reel, I feel like, almost at, at least every, once every two weeks. I mean, I feel like he always was just catching this like deep ball because he had one-on-one coverage. And, he, you know, Tyrell Williams is a pretty big guy, so I feel like yep. he was always there. But He's last a guy week, in fantasy that you always look over, and then he has 25 points on your bench. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then you'll start in the next week, and then he puts up three. Yep. Yep, that's, exact- <laughs> that's exactly it how it is looking at it from a fantasy standpoint. But then lastly, I just want to bring up Logan Ryan, cornerback slash safety now signed a one-year deal, seven, and it's worth $7.5 million with the New York Giants. When I first saw this tweet, I think it was by Ian Rappaport, I got pretty excited because I saw that he's heading back to New Jersey, but then I realized, unfortunately, it was with the wrong team. It was with the New York Giants. But that aside, what were your thoughts on this deal? Um, definitely a great player. Um, good signing for the Giants. They needed that corner. Um, they obviously lost Baker that little uh, incident in the uh, off season. What he went through. Um, so Logan Ryan's a great piece to add. You don't know what the Giants are going to be. They were kind of up and down last year. They got a young quarterback as well. You look at uh, Logan Ryan's relationship with Joe Judge. You want to think that has a factor going back to New England days. Um, Joe Judge is trying to build something there. Hopefully that you know. It's only a one-year deal, but he's a veteran guy, you know, who can teach up the young guys and show them, you know, the right way, the Joe Judge way, the Patriot way, as everybody likes to call it, you know, if he's trying to implement that system over there. Mm -hmm. uh, He's definitely a great piece to add for them. Yeah, and uh, I look at this deal, I mean, obviously, he's been a great nickel cornerback throughout his career, but then I, I think his him willing to say that, you know, he also is willing to play safety. I think that's one of the big reasons why they went out to get him because Xavier McKinley, their second-round pick out of Alabama, I, I think is expected to miss some of the season to start because of an injury. So I feel like just to have that safetyness with between just – really just between the secondary because, you, you know, I'm looking at Logan Ryan. You can really put him all over the field. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Joe Judge and the Giants are going to do there. But that's going to wrap up. This episode of Diving Into the End Zone, I'm very happy to get this done. Alex, I'm very happy that you were able to join. I was, I love talking Jets. You know, I could talk Jets forever. I could do this show for three hours and talk about the Jets. That's how much I love them. 
But I was very happy to have you on. I'm very happy to you know get this done, and hopefully you'll be on in the future. No, yeah, thank you for having me. Great conversation as always. Um, always look forward to talking football, specifically the Jets. You know, big passion for that. Exactly. Yeah, again, thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Thank you, and to all of our listeners, I thank you for listening, and I'm excited to have you guys listen on the next episode. So everybody, have a great day.